Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Castaneri-King. Today, I'm delighted to have Sachiko Akiyama with us today. I see your work on Instagram and it's fascinating. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I always like to start with, um, I love to get a little background first, you know, like where you grew up and what you remember from your earliest recollections of anything artistic. What have you got? I originally grew up in Rochester, New York. Okay. Nice. And I was a kid who always drew and made things. I oh, yeah. liked making things from cardboard boxes or just anything that was around. <laughs> My yeah. godfather was actually a carpenter. And so he used to have me come over on the weekends and we would make things together. And so I had an early love of wood. Oh, very nice. And was that, was he using pine or what kind of woods? We were really building things. So it was just... Um, building like a crayon box (laughs) or a shelf for my room. So it wasn't sculpture really. It was more um, just building things. Oh, that's nice. I I grew up, my dad um, was an engineer and then on the side he loved to build with primarily pine. And I just remember the the love of the smell of the wood. Oh yeah. Intoxicating. I love to just hang out in a shop and, you know, not, we didn't even talk really. He'd give me some wood and I'd kind of play around and do stuff, but just love the smell. That's great. Yeah. So um, how did your career progress with to bringing you where you are now? What did you start studying first for me? So I, in high school, I was more of a musician than an oh, artist. Okay. All right. I played the saxophone. Oh, my dream. <laughs> <laughs> When I got to line in third grade, they were out of saxophones. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I always laugh. My career changed. <laughs> oh, You're so tiny, though. How can you, would you do a smaller sax? Or, I mean, they're so big. Oh, I had a, an alto saxophone, but sometimes we were, uh, they made us play the larger ones, like the baritone. Wow. <laughs> we rested on the floor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> How fun. Love it. But um, I went to college at Amherst College in Massachusetts. Yeah. And I was, I finished my pre-med, actually, uh, there. Yeah. And then I studied art, too. I was an, an art major. Okay. And what kind of mediums did you, did you like to use then? So I, that's where I discovered sculpture. I originally wanted to, I thought I wanted to be a painter, but I took painting and then I took sculpture class, and that's what really stuck with me or resonated with me. Nice. And what were the medium? What do the, are the mediums? Yeah. What do they start with in that? Oh gosh, it was just some um, basic sculpture class materials. Like we used cardboard and clay. Um, what else do we use? We had a linear assignment that was in string. It was, it was pretty. Um, it was a very small department. Yeah. 
And so it was just a little, it was limited, but it was great. It was an introduction for me. I had no idea. Yeah. So that sort of lit the fire for you. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then, um, oh, wait, no, wait. I'm sorry. I have to go back because okay. I, I read. I read in one article about you, some great articles on your website. Oh. <laughs> in one of them I read about you, you um, discovered Scotch tape. Tell us that story. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, I think it was kindergarten, I remember there was a commercial on TV where Santa Claus was using Scotch tape uh-huh. <laughs> to wrap all his presents. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's when it started becoming prevalent, Scotch tape around then, the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, I don't know. And I just thought it was the most amazing material and right. I wanted it. <laughs> right. So I asked for it as a present for Christmas. <laughs> of course. And my parents gave me a roll. They gave me other things too, of course, but yeah. I immediately took it and made a big ball. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents were really upset because I think they thought I wanted to use it as tape, but I looked at it as a material. Wow. That was fascinating that it was a sticky, clear material. Yeah, so maybe that was the true beginning. <laughs> yeah, I, that might be the true beginning. <laughs> I, you yeah. know, I've heard from other people who are sculptors that, uh, you know, once, like, almost immediately mm-hmm. upon touching the clay, they, they right. have this real connection to it. Oh, yeah. And, and that was the same for you? Well, yeah. Definitely. I'm a very um, tactile person. Yeah. And I like nice. making things. And I, I like when things are physical and in our space. Okay. Yeah. And my nice. parents actually also bought me um, my own wood tools when I was in, I think that was also like kindergarten or first grade. And wow. so I had my little wood shop in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how cute. I still have like some of the tools. It's like a very small hammer. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, did you say you finished your pre-med and then? I did. Yeah. So I, I finished all of that and then I kept um, postponing applying to school. <laughs> and I, I was a science teacher for about three years. Okay. Yeah. At a private school, at two private schools. And then I ran into an old friend of mine from college who had gone to art school and when I heard her talk about it I realized that that's what I wanted to do and that's what I really loved so right very nice so where did you end up going to art school oh to art school so I um didn't have enough experience in undergrad with art so I did a post-baccalaureate at Brandeis College University yeah and then um after I did that for two years and I always assumed I would go back to teaching science in high school or. Oh, you I, did really? Right. Oh, I never thought that I could maintain <laughs> a career. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I just thought it would be the side thing. Oh. But I think the interesting thing about becoming an artist is just following the next step. Sometimes yeah. the next step reveals itself, or maybe that's true about life in general. Right. You can't really plan and so we do try but yeah oh yeah (laughs) just follow the breadcrumbs (laughs) exactly right the signs (laughs) i uh, ended up going to boston university for graduate school nice very good yes i saw you did your um thesis work at Mm -hmm. at the mfa that's correct very nice 
Um, so then you came up to New Hampshire. <laughs> I did. <laughs> You're here now in Portsmouth. I am. Mm-hmm. Love it. And how long have you been here? So I think this is my sixth year. Oh, nice. And I moved here for the um, teaching position at UNH. UNH. Okay, good. Nice. So are you a full-time teacher or full-time artist? Which takes precedence? Uh, during the school year, I would say I'm a full-time Agent. educator. Okay. It takes up a lot, most of my time. Yeah, it yeah. sure does. So I, I didn't even realize you were a teacher at UNA's one. Oh, and, yeah. And then I, and you do such a, it seems like such, so much, so much work, very prolific. And I thought, oh, that's. Does that go together? I mean. <laughs> I'm such a slow worker, but I think on Instagram, I, I tend to put a lot of photos of work in progress. Yeah. Shots. It takes me a while to actually finish things or resolve work. Okay. Yes. So tell us about, um, so go back to to Boston University. Were Mm -hmm. you studying explicitly sculpture there? That's correct. You were, nice. Beautiful. Great place to be, to study sculpture down in Boston. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. it was nice. We could walk to the MFA from there, the museum. Right. Right. And what mediums um, were you using then? Because I know you use the, the wood primarily now. Mm-hmm. And when did that begin to develop? That was already happening at Brandeis. Okay. Um, when I was at Brandeis, I think I really started to discover what I was interested in okay. in terms of content and then also formally what I was interested in. And then at BU, I was working primarily in wood again. Wow. And was making 2D work on the side. I wouldn't say on the side. I, I think of it as supporting the sculpture. Okay. And were you able during that, those years to, um, to create on such a large scale like you do now? Some of your pieces are really large. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. I think since I was in my 20s, uh, I could make these life-size sculptures and it was so much easier. Wow, easier. It's easier. It was easier because I was younger. (laughs) (laughs) Now everything hurts. (laughs) Wow, that's fascinating. So, um, yeah, you do you do lots of different sizes. I know Mm -hmm. there's smaller ones, and then they're they're painted. Some of them. Um, Do you stick to one kind of wood now, or do you still use a variety? I. It's funny because I love wood carving, but I'm not, when I talk to other people who are woodworkers, a lot of people love different wood grains and surfaces. And I'm, I think I, I choose my wood from more, a more practical standpoint. Like I like softer, lighter wood. And my favorite is butternut because it's easy to carve, but it holds the surface well, or it has, has a little bit of um, hardness to it. Butternut wood. Butternut, yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard. It's going extinct right now. It's very diseased oh. in this area, so the price keeps going up. And where does it come from? Uh, I think locally. Oh, it does. Right, regionally. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. And it's also a nice color. I started, when I first was started painting things, I would paint the entire surface, but lately I've been letting the wood show mm-hmm. and think it's I, I like that warm color of the wood so 
I vary between painting and letting the surface show. Nice. So, I mean, I usually ask this at the end, but I have to know now. <laughs> where can we see your work? I mean, where can we go to see it in person? I know right now oh. we go to Asheville and we'll get there. To, but, you know, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute, but where locally? Is there somewhere? Is there I, um, I don't have, have gallery representation, so I show a lot at different university museums right. and galleries. Um, okay, so I, just follow your Instagram. Right, exactly. And okay. I do, it's because of COVID, it's really unclear when it's going to happen now, but I have a show, I'm pretty certain, scheduled at Brattleboro, the museum yep. in Vermont. Okay. So it's a lot of um, pretty regional locations. Yep. Okay, great. And your Instagram is woodchip, which is really... Uh, yeah, woodchip47. 47. And, um, and how'd you get that name? <laughs> <laughs> well, woodchip, because woodchips are everywhere, like in my house, like in my bed. Sometimes I find it in my clothes. <laughs> I'm a human hamster. <laughs> but <laughs> and 47 is my, my um, birthday backwards. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Okay. So tell us about um, your studio. I'd love to know oh, yeah. how yeah. big is it? What's in it? What do sculptors have in their studios? I have the best studio I've ever had in my life at this point, Ooh, which nice. is so exciting. Yeah. Part of the motivation of moving here was to have more space. Okay. It was also the, primarily for the job too. Yeah. But then the, the bonus was that I could build a studio. When I was in grad school, one of my teachers showed us his studio, like a picture of his studio. And it was behind his house. It was a garage. <laughs> and he had a, a crane or a lift outside to lift heavy things. Wow. And I decided that's what I wanted someday. And it took nice. 20 years, but I took a garage and renovated it. And it's a two-car garage, mm -hmm. but I um, got rid of, I built a second story. And so the entire second story is a big open space. Oh. And then downstairs is a garage and a wood shop. Like, so I think of it as my dirty space downstairs. I have power tools. I have my chainsaws downstairs. Okay. <laughs> Slop this is where we're getting the good stuff. Chainsaw. That's right. <laughs> Picturing little, you know, chisel and hammer, but chainsaws. Okay, <laughs> chainsaws are so um, exciting. But I, I actually only use it at the beginning. I do have a lot of chainsaws, but I was going to ask session, like you know, shoes or purses or something. It just <laughs> oh. I like power tools. <laughs> you know, do you see a sale and you're like, yeah, I need a new one. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm eyeing a bandsaw right now. <laughs> wow. And what about, um, you talked about cranes. Do you need that? Is that something you need in your studio? I used to um, keep a lift in my studio or just like a hand crank. Okay. Um, eventually, I think I'm going to install something that's electric, like a pulley. So something smaller than a crane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to work on so many pieces, you must need help to move them. Exactly, yeah. I think just being able to move things easily, it, it helps to look at things from different angles. So it's, it's tricky if something's really heavy and I can't move it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have that set up yet, but I 
Uh, so how would I describe my studio? I have a lot of chisels. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, chisels, saws. Um, and then I have a whole area of just um, drawing supplies or like paint and... Right. Yeah, so 2D, 3D. And, and how do you start? Like, where does your inspiration come from? Where do your ideas come from? That's always such a difficult question because I think it comes from so many places right. and it's such a long process. I think um, over the years, someone described it as my alphabet. I've, I think I've started to develop a, a series of symbols or gestures that I constantly return to and I'm able to mix them up in different ways and discover new things about, not just about the form, but the meaning too. Mm. Yeah. So tell um, us about some of those. Um, definitely. So yeah, migrating birds. Yeah. I'm really interested in that. There was this fabulous movie. It was by a French director, like maybe 15 years ago, Migration. Oh. And that's, I think that's probably where I started reading about migration. And I think because of my science background, I like to read books about the scientific background sure. of these things but then I also like reading um fiction too or poetry or mm -hmm. just I just want to research my um subject matter from as many angles as possible right right just to understand like how rich a symbol can be or an image can be sure. and yeah migration is a strong one <clears throat> oh yeah I love <clears throat> the um, migration is a metaphor yeah it covers a lot of things but of course i would primarily think of as race migration mm -hmm. the, that symbolism there and um, i think this idea of home too yeah and the journeys and travel yeah transformation um a lot of different ideas <laughs> right mm -hmm. depending on the viewer there, there's exactly. many Right. And it's not that I want to just throw things together and hope for the best. Yeah. I'm hoping to try to find um, things that are very rich in potential. Mm -hmm. And then I have an idea of how these different pieces fit together. But it's, I do think that once it goes out into the world, people might interpret it differently. Right. Right. And do you shy away from... Um, putting descriptions on your work when they're out for that reason. Definitely. Yeah. Um, a lot of times people ask like, oh, what does this mean? And yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm really hesitant to answer that. <laughs> I know what my intentions were. Right. Or all these things mean to me. But mm. I think I think work in general should have this, not a level of mystery, but a, a bit of unknown to it mm. instead of being uh, explicit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And yours really does. It's, it's very, um, I would say quiet, and yet very commanding. And I don't think you could be in a room with a piece and not, <laughs> not have to try you in as quietly as it would maybe sit there. And um, that's the most, um, that makes me really excited that you have that reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I, I'm asking, where can I see it? I can first <laughs> Um, so what other symbolic things do you incorporate? 
Um, I definitely am interested in gestures too. Mm. So um, different things that hands can do. So yeah, hands. Some, some of your um, some of your work, the hands are very large. Not all, but on mm-hmm. some. So I'm contemplating. Hmm, what is that? <laughs> I know you're not going to tell me. So. Oh, I definitely do want to emphasize the hands, and I, I like the weight of them too, especially when they're big. And, yeah. and sometimes I'm more interested in that than other parts of the body, and that's a way to bring attention to it. And lately, I've been just carving. I have all these hands in my studio right now. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with them, <laughs> but oh, I want to combine it somehow. I think with the the face too. So. I think like so when I look a lot at like um, I'm trying to think like in like renaissance art a lot of times there's a lot of focus on the hands and the face or like the hands are used as a um, compositional device that's what I'm looking for (laughs) exactly like the hands and the face and so I'm playing with that right yeah and then you have forests seem to Mm -hmm. be another thing yeah, so trees, forests. Um, I think it's interesting to think about trees in different times of the year too, and thinking about how it has the potential to change. So a tree with no leaves, or a tree in autumn, or yeah. Now, did you are you drawn to trees personally yourself? Do you spend time in the woods, or I I definitely do. Yeah, I haven't. Ironically, I've spent, I haven't spent a lot of time in the woods since moving here, Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because I, I lived in the city before, but <laughs> that is something that I would like to do. I do yeah. love the woods. UNH is fabulous because it has the trails right, right. behind the school. Right. And yeah, what about uh, favorite trees? Do you have any favorites? I, I well, birch trees and aspen trees, mm. I think are, and but other than that, uh, oh, maple trees. I was going to say, no, I don't. But then yeah. <laughs> I guess I do have some favorites. <laughs> when you're carving, um, are you thinking of a, a particular tree or are you just thinking, you know, the symbol tree? I think in most of my work, it's been just a, a general tree. But uh, I do have one piece where they were based on aspens. I spent... Uh, a month out in Wyoming at U Cross. It's a residency and it was in the autumn and just the whole side of the mountain and just everything was just orange and white. It was very striking. Wow, that's nice. And how did you study? So did you do do like, that would be like plein air work. (laughs) (laughs) Sketching and uh, what are you using for materials then? I, I drew a lot. At, when I was at the residencies, it was difficult to bring too many sculpting materials with me. Yeah. So I, I don't, was I working outside? Sometimes I did draw outside. I was drawing clouds a lot too. <laughs> but And just for using um, graphite. Oh yeah, graphite. And then I made a lot of collages too. So I would ink up a lot of paper with acrylic or some sort of ink. Okay. And then cut them into... Um, ah. collage which made more sense it matched my sculpting process more too mm-hmm. so I, 
So do you ever just get a block of wood and go at it not knowing what it is? I would like to. I think um, <laughs> I I think there's a lot of room. Well, there's there's definitely a lot of room for things to happen, even though I have a set idea of what something will be. Okay. So there is room for play, but I don't just ever take a piece of wood and <laughs> just go for it. But I would like to. Yeah. Because I, I do just love form. Right. Yeah, and especially carved forms too. And I think that could open up possibilities. Like I think one thing I struggle with is since I do use recognizable imagery, sometimes that I find it limiting in terms of the kind of forms I can make. Right, right. That makes sense. Like, so if I'm making a face, like I couldn't also make a a lot of like spikes (laughs) on a row or, or like... So are you, um, well, let's back up. Are you doing sketches and things like that first to, to prepare for what you are going to attempt with the wood? Definitely not a sketch really of what the piece will look like in the end, but more like studies or ideas or um, it's almost like note taking maybe. Uh-huh. Right. And how long does that process take before you start? in general it's tough to say because a lot of times I'll have so many different paths going on at the same time and a lot of the paths will fizzle out and then some of them will take hold right right um, and it can that path can continue for years (laughs) before I actually make a sculpture I have to I think I have to be really convinced of an idea before I tackle it but I think lately though, I'm really trying to find other materials that I can sculpt in that are um, like less of a commitment mm-hmm. to work on so yeah. that I can try out more ideas sure. in the round instead of just having everything in my sketchbook. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you to me, it would seem, maybe, I would, I would kind of, I'm just thinking if I had a studio like that and I was playing with ideas, I would hang them up and maybe move them around and group these two together. And no, maybe oh, that yeah. one goes with that. Do you ever? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what Brancusi did in his studio. He would make things and just move constantly move them around. And he had all these different, sometimes the sculpture became a base or just things just constantly change. He was always curating his own studio in order to understand. Nice. The forms well, the get back to the upstairs of your, mm-hmm. of your studio. Is that what yeah. you kind of do up there? Are you bringing up finished pieces or what, what goes on? Up That's there? where I, I, I do most of my work upstairs. Oh, oh, oh. Um, okay. Yeah. And that's like, so on Instagram, I was posting recently pictures of little fragments, like little relief fragments. Yeah. And so on my walls, I like playing with those. I'm moving those around the wall, the walls and pairing them up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I got you. And then um, do you ever just have, how do you find your wood? This is a question. Where do you well, go to get, where do you go to pick out a piece of wood? Oh. Um, go to get it or? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I go to a mill. I used to go to a mill in Kingston. But since I moved here, um, I go to um, Highland Hardwoods, and I'd have to look up 
the town. Yeah. Like a 20 minute drive from here. And they have stacks and stacks of um, rough, rough sawn wood or it's wood that's not um, sanded or, or planed. The one really fabulous thing about UNH is the wood shop is amazing. Mm. And so I'm able to take my wood and glue it into blocks. I have all the tools oh. I need to do all that work. Oh, so you're, I see. So you're building the form from the... Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I don't carve. I, I do have some logs in my studio, but usually I glue up my wood. And that gives me more control over or more liberties in terms of the kind of forms I can make. So I'm not limited to just this round cylinder. And it's also more stable too, if you glue wood together. You can alternate the grain so it all um, shifts in ways that okay. um, fights each other. That sounds like so much work. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of work. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I, I would think to get prepared for a show, you'd need about two years. It, I'm very slow, but I, I think I'm learning that if I find people who are, who can have the skills to do those steps, I can hire them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I am fortunate enough to have people around that I can hire. Nice. Nice. And as you're gluing this all together, mm -hmm. do you already know what it's going to be or are you just making some preparatory you know blocks to put in your studio that will one day I do the the first option I I usually have some sense of what the pose will be okay. or what I'm trying to do and I used to glue it up as one step and then move on to the carving and if I made a mistake, then I had to deal with it. But now I'm starting to learn how to add things and remove things and move things around. So there's a little bit more flexibility. Right. And do you ever have a block of wood just tell you, no, I'm not that, I'm this? Yeah, oh, don't, definitely. <laughs> Down that chainsaw and pick up, you know, whatever else. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's always different in your head than it is in reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, which is why we have to make things and it can't just stay in our heads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And each piece takes, I mean, I mean, not that you could put a time limit on it, on, but mm -hmm. I think I, I read somewhere in one article, it takes about a year for one of your larger pieces. For a large piece, it takes about a year. In graduate school, I can make three in one year, and I'm not sure how I ever did that. Wow. I, yeah, now it takes me a lot longer. And then I also have to balance it with work, too. And how do you store your pieces that aren't out? <laughs> so another benefit of moving out of the city is I bought a house. And so I actually have two rooms. Yeah. Just, and that's where all my sculptures go to oh, rest nice. or die. or. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever rework something that's maybe been oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I've taken things and cannibalized them. <laughs> Pull something out and use it for something else. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. It just seems such an interesting process. And what would you tell somebody who is just interested in, you know, has never done anything with sculpting with their hands in any way? What would you tell them to do to, to get a feel for whether or not they'd like it? Oh, gosh. I think 
there's so many different ways of working when it comes to sculpture. Like you can build things, you can model things, you can make something that's subtractive, like what I do. I think letting yourself try different ways of working is helpful because like you might, most people do not like to carve. <laughs> it's too slow. It's, yeah, it's very, it's difficult, but they might love clay or they might just um, have more of a, an affinity to something that's softer and more malleable or, so I think that helps. And I think the thing that really helps too is to look a lot. I think we're lucky right now just because so much is um, accessible really easily accessible to us online. Right. So, yeah. Just looking at not just art history, but contemporary art too. Mm -hmm. Just finding out what the potential is. Yeah. I always say that I'm going to try it. <laughs> oh I, yeah? Yeah. You know, I, of course I do the modeling with the grandkids and, I, and I'm just terrible oh. at it. So I think, well, why bother? But then I feel like just to have something in front of me and, oh, yeah. and, and not really uh -huh. say okay it's going to be this or that but to right. let mm -hmm. it take on whatever it's coming to be <laughs> exactly yeah and maybe you just haven't found your right material or yeah or maybe like I think people might think I'm not good at sculpture because I can't make a face and there's no way right. <laughs> but that's you can make something abstract or <laughs> right and maybe the subtractive method is is the way to go I don't know try that I've always done the other maybe I should just upgrade from play-doh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh goodness um so what does a day look like in your studio what would you I mean I'm sure that you you can't possibly say this is the standard average day but what you know what would be like a perfect day a perfect day in your studio I've discovered that the best way for me to have a day in the studio is to start by just sitting there and looking. Mm. A lot of times I just bring my coffee with me, plop my chair down and just look, look at things. And I think that's a, it's, it's always really nice the first time you walk into your studio after not being there, because I think it gives you a chance possibly to see things again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sometimes if you look too long at something, it's, it's difficult to still yes. see anymore but I um and then I, I in my sketchbook I have a lot of lists so I just make a list of things that I want to work on that day and I think that also helps me it just it sets my intention mm. I don't always follow that list but I think it gives me a bit of a roadmap of what I'd like to do yeah and I try not to let myself just work on one thing all day usually I mean sometimes I might I like the idea of trying to go back and forth between things. Nice. Yeah. So painters typically will turn a painting around and not look at it for a little while. Do you ever cover it up with a cloth? And, oh, and, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Break from it and then, mm -hmm. then I can say, oh, yeah. there it is. I, I totally, just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll do the opposite. Like I'll set it up in a way that I know that when I walk into my studio again, I'll see it again, like in a view that might help me the mm -hmm. next day. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I definitely hide things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's very helpful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'd love to talk about your show that just came up. Oh, the one in Asheville. Yeah. Life on Earth. Super weed, super predator, super bloom. Mm -hmm. 
So a dear, a dear friend of mine and also a wonderful artist, Hannah Cole, mm -hmm. she and I used to be in an artist group in Boston, like a critique group. And that's how I first became friends with her. Okay. But she moved to Asheville and started showing at Tracy Morgan Gallery. And she was given the opportunity to curate a show and asked me to be a part of it. And since I'm teaching online, it seemed possible for me to actually drive down there and continue teaching remotely, nice. <laughs> but then also help her set up the show. And she um, asked me to make one of my bird print installations. It was something that I did at a Brandeis gallery a few years back where I um, made woodblock prints of birds. Mm -hmm. They're migrating birds. And they, I cut them out and then wheat pasted them to the wall. So it looks like they're flying across the, the gallery, the gallery wall. Yeah, I think people could find a link on your website to that show. And there's a video of that. Oh, there, there is? Oh, oh, the video. There's a video going around the room. Yeah. If, okay. if I have the right show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You're describing it. I'm like, yeah, just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're flying from um, east to west. Mm. So. And do you only cover the migration of birds in your work? Or do you ever cover butterflies? or? Oh, like different kinds of animals? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And yeah. so some of the other animals I've been really drawn to are grizzly, grizzly bears. Yeah. I love grizzly bears. Um, wow. Grizzly barons, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what other animals. I recently started making foxes. Oh, cool. Which, and it, it's funny because I sometimes it, it's just like a, it takes a while for me to actually want to make an animal. Like I have to, I hover around it for many years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I've had little drawings and notes about foxes in my sketchbooks, but yeah. I, that's interesting. So um, I did I did see on your Instagram a little while back that you had um, some kind of accident with one of your hands. Oh, I've I did have an accident. I did break my fingers at one point. <laughs> I was working on the feet of this life size sculpture that's that's in one of my storage rooms. I kind of <laughs> banished it for a while, but <laughs> it started to fall, and I tried to catch it. And I saved the sculpture, but I crushed my hand. Oh my! So I snapped two of my fingers in half. But um, oh. <laughs> well, yes, it's vanished. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to continue working on it. But then I also had to have surgery on my hand because I, I wore the cartilage out of my thumb from working for so long, and I think I'm going to try to do my other hand this year. Wow. Yeah. So that was your dominant hand, I think. My dominant hand, exactly. And so you you had to put work on hold, I would think. Yeah, but that happened. I did this last winter, and so I it put about like a five month break on me, which is really difficult. Yeah. I just I love working. Yeah. Did you use <laughs> your non-dominant hand at all? I mean, exactly. I'm just gonna try. <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah. I made um, a lot of drawings, really horrible drawings. <laughs> I made things in clay. It, nothing really panned out. 
Well, they say that doing that stuff is really good for your brain. I don't, did you notice? Oh, I bet. Yeah. Did you like come back and with fresh uh, eyes or feelings or? or <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> no. I wish. <laughs> That would make a better story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I broke my wrist once and I was on my way to a workshop and um, I was going and it was my dominant hand and I was like, I'm going anyway. So I just palette knife the painting with my non-dominant hand and I do have a fair amount of ambidextrousness. Ambidextrousness. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I I figured I could do it okay. And, and actually it turned out pretty well, but it... Oh, good. I, you know, I don't know that it, like a, my question didn't open anything for me. It was very challenging. Oh yeah. You know, when I was able to go back and paint with the other hand, it, it felt so much easier. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Probably, probably a good analogy would be like me playing a viola and going back to my violin, you playing that big bass sax and going, oh, right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is so easy. <laughs> exactly. I, I did have a, a bit of that feeling to it but it was not something I ever said gee let me keep doing this you know right. like they say brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand I have oh. about 10 seconds of that and then I'm like oh. <laughs> I'm through I this try and do it every morning today you know I get to get about four teeth done and I'm over it so yeah <laughs> anyway, all that that stuff is supposed to be good for you so um you also a couple of years back, I, I'm not sure, maybe three years, you um, were awarded the Piscataqua Artist Grant. Artist Grant. Yeah. So tell us about that and tell us what um, the whole plan was that you submitted and how that played out. That was such a gift. It was yeah. really amazing. Um, I split my proposal into uh, different parts. So some of it was professional development, some of it was hiring people to help me do things, and then part of it was also to um, improve my studio or finish my studio because I hadn't quite finished it. Um, and I'm I'm always amazed by foundations that want to support artists. I think it's I don't this doesn't complain, but I think it just in general it's really difficult to be an artist in this in this country or in this time. And so it's, it's heartwarming to know that there are people out there that want to support artists. Right. Um, and it, it's definitely been incredibly helpful. It helped me. Um, I've been able to expand a little bit my ge- geographic range for the places I've been showing. So I was able to show in Philadelphia. Nice. Um, I do think like in some indirect manner, the Asheville show is somehow a product of being able to um, focus on my work more or just publicize myself better. But that Piscataqua um, Arts Grant is a great thing. And and I think they usually have the artist present somewhere. Did mm-hmm. you get the opportunity to do that? I did. It was at the UNH Museum. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, I'm sorry I missed that, but I just never oh, get there. Okay. And I know there's some really great stuff. Um, oh, to answer your question, if you do want to see um, my work in person, yeah, we have a faculty show every couple of years too. So, and when is that? It might be next year. It's if not next year, then the following year because we didn't have it this year. Okay, so um, the Boston Globe 
had a really wonderful quote about your work in um, 2012. And I'm not sure who wrote the article. I didn't put that down. <laughs> but they said, your work has the allure and economy of a Buddha statue. And boy, that was just something I thought of right away when I look at your figurative statues are very, very much, which is why I think they, they bring such a, a quiet, commanding sort of feel to them, you know. Um, so that must have been really neat to have the Boston Globe put you in there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's, that, that was the 10 artists to watch. I think they had done. Oh, oh yeah. That was um, an a real honor. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Great. And when you're doing your figurative work, mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're so contemplative. Are, are you using, uh, who are the people? Are you just creating them from, or are they people you know? A lot of the females are a, roughly a self-portrait, but I don't want them to be self-portraits um, that are limiting, or self-portraits that are about describing what that person looks like. Okay. I'd like it to read more as a, a, not a general figure, but something that can symbolize or more, something more universal. That's mm -hmm. the word we're looking for. Um, but then I also do make sculptures based on people I know, a lot of times family members. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather, an uncle of mine, um, and I'm, right now I'm, I'm struggling on a piece that's um, of one of my, a friend of mine that passed away when I was a lot younger. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and that's another piece I thought about for a long time before I actually felt like I had the right idea for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's nice. I mean, it's nice that your work takes, has such a long period of um, gestation, you know, it just, it shows, <laughs> it really shows, I think, in your work. That would, that's definitely something that comes across. Oh, good. Um, so what does success mean to you as an artist? Success to me, especially as I get older, I realize it's not the external rewards, like getting a gallery or winning awards or things like that. I just, I want to have an honest dialogue with my work. Mm. And I also hope to continually grow and not stagnate. Yeah. Yeah. And so anytime, this is a cliche, but anytime I get too comfortable, I try to throw a wrench into things or give myself a different challenge or <laughs> how do you do that with tools or how would you do it oh yeah so my studio right now um i'm collaging things together more and i'm adding different materials um playing with scale yeah yeah a lot of times wood is always the constant but then yeah. A lot of the um, parameters around it sort of change constantly. Nice. And what have you? What do you have simmering on the back burner? What's coming up in the, that we can look forward to in the next five years, even? You mean the work that I'm working yeah. on? Yeah. Um, I think the work is getting a little more um, abstract. Mm. Like it's hovering, or it's it's becoming um, abstract. Might not be the right word. It's a little less literal. Um, I think I'm letting myself 
play a little bit more and try not to let myself like be limited by to be less limited by that initial idea i see free to sense to let the wood speak <laughs> like yeah the materials are <laughs> well we uh, you know i will definitely follow you on instagram woodchip 47 and very interesting how uh, you work and just fascinating really and uh, i look forward to seeing your work in person oh thank you someday soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for being on the show i appreciate oh, it thank you for having me laura it's been right. a pleasure wonderful oh, great if you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. you got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.